0: And we are live, or perhaps you're listening to this on the Body I Love You podcast, or even just a replay in the Body I Love You Facebook group. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is for you. My name is Sydney Robolada, and I am the owner of Body I Love You, which is a course that literally teaches self-love. I am excited to be here with you all today to talk about a topic that was actually inspired by um, a number of women who were just recently in our last round of Body I Love You. We had a lot of interesting conversations, uh, revelations, aha moments about this very thing. So the topic that I wanna discuss discuss today is when it comes to your body shame, when it comes to certain aspects of your body image, are you creating a self-fulfilling prophecy? And when I say a self-fulfilling prophecy, I'm referring to if you believe something to be true, you inevitably make that thing true. There's something that I want to get really clear before I dive into the nitty gritty of this conversation. And it is not at all about blaming you or shaming you or like, it's your fault that you're insecure. That's not at all what we're pointing to. And we're actually going to get to a layer of that in this conversation of where this stuff actually comes from. But the point being is that so often when we are trained different societal norms, trained to believe different things, we end up believing that about ourselves. And then we actually attract or create things in our life to prove that belief to be true. Your brain's really good that way. Your brain's really cunning and intelligent in that way. When you have a thought or a belief in your brain, your brain is excellent at gathering evidence to prove that belief to be true. So again, this is not about blame or shame. I know where the stories come from. The stories come from media, consumerism, every magazine you've ever read, every TV show, every movie. We are trained to believe that there is a very specific flavor of beauty that is desired and that our worth lies in how desired we are by others. And that flavor of beauty tends to wane young and thin and white okay so that is that is the norm that we live in that's where you got this stuff this conversation isn't saying like you totally made this up in your brain and you're struggling because of that and that alone that's not what this is but we are going to take a look at how you can take responsibility for your thoughts and actually create something different so this was inspired by somebody like i said in our last body i love you group who lived in a world that her body had no form. She was just convinced that her body didn't have any form, that she was just kind of like a a flat board, if you will. Her form was not desirable. Her form or something that she would think to wear clothes, to accentuate her natural form, um, or to just really show off her body in general. One of her practices, Uh, During body I love you was actually to go shopping to dry dry buy a dress for an event that she was really excited about um, and to purchase a dress that she felt good in whether it was the the material of the clothing that felt good on her skin and or if she loved the way that her body looked in it or just something that when she looks at it's just an article of clothing that makes her happy and so she she did this thing she ended up buying this gorgeous deep green like forest green velvet dress that kind of like mimicked a wrap dress and oh my god it was stunning it was a regal gorgeous dress when she tried this dress on she had a revelation and that revelation was holy shit i have a form and what i mean when i say form is i i actually have different curves and my body looks differently than i created this image in my brain again when she was living in this world where she didn't where her body didn't have any sort of form She dressed as though that was the case. She said that she was always wearing the baggiest clothes that she could find, always wearing baggy shirts, nothing that was like form fitting or anything along those lines. So when she looked in the mirror, she saw the story that she created in her head, that she didn't have a form and that this was just kind of the way that her body looked, not even getting curious about what her body actually looks like, what her body actually is in real life. She's seeing it through the skewed lens of what she was trained to believe from her upbringing, from her parents, from the four to 10,000 advertisements she sees every single day. A vast majority of those advertisements aimed towards women and wanting to change our physical appearance in some way, shape or form. So when she tried on this dress and this dress hugged her in places that felt really comfortable and incredible. And she had an emotional experience looking in this mirror of like, that's my body. Oh, my God. I never, I never get to see this body. I'm certainly not undressing in front of the mirror because so many of us find that a mortifying experience, again, because of so much that we're trained to believe. But she was really able to see herself and her body in this new light of like, oh, my goodness, I've been hiding this. I've been hiding this from myself. I've been hiding this from the world. Again, when she believed something to be true about her body, she attracted all these things, aka the clothing that she was wearing, um, the thoughts that she told herself. And she was able to really open her eyes to something different. And that was so beautiful to just be a part of. Another example of this is we had another participant who just really related to herself as weak, like physically actually weak, um, not at all flexible, super clumsy, just not at all like balanced or graceful in any way. And first of all, that's fine. Like that's actually a fine belief. But when it came to this conversation that we were having of her want to be strong, her want to actually feel strong in her body, her belief about her clumsiness was an automatic block. I could never be that because I am weak. My body is so embarrassingly weak. I'm so clumsy. I'm so non-flexible. It's, I couldn't It's. possibly do a yoga class or I couldn't possibly exercise in this way or I couldn't possibly do that hike because my body is so weak. Do you hear the self-fulfilling prophecy in that? She relates to her body as weak. Therefore, she does not live in a world where she challenges her body to build strength. She's never challenged her body to be strong. She's never actually taken a look at her equilibrium and the things in her body that gives her balance and make her feel graceful. Because when we, an example, one thing that's wildly changed for me um, and my body and my grace and balance is yoga. Yoga is something that I've done for a long time, but historically it was extremely sporadic. I would do like one class like a year or something like that. And the class was always enjoyable to a degree, but it was always more embarrassing than anything else. And I was just constantly like comparing my flexibility, or rather lack thereof, to the other women in the class. And more than anything, I just felt isolated in these classes. And that wasn't an attractive feeling to me. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So I never stuck around. And uh, it's kind of funny how we just in our brains are like, no, I, I did do yoga that one time, and it really didn't help with my balance and flexibility. Yeah, one time doing anything, uh, probably won't. Something that I've spoken to before, a few years ago, I dedicated a year of my life to yoga. And what that meant for me is yoga is always going to be a core a point of my life. It, it's always going to be something that I get to do. And I did this in lieu of a New Year's resolution, because usually it'd be like, I'm going to do yoga three, four times a week and whatever. And then that would land until mid-February, right? Where I then didn't do it because maybe I was sick or depressed or I just didn't fucking feel like it. And then all of a sudden it felt as though I biffed it, I botched it, I failed, that goal is over, that sucks, another one bites the dust. Versus when I dedicated an entire year Every day, every minute, every season, every month, every week was a new opportunity to just be like, oh, yeah, yoga. Oh, yeah, that thing. The entire year, there was opportunity to come back to it. And another thing that I gave myself was I can do it for however long or however short I want to. Sometimes standing on the yoga mat would be me stretching for five minutes. And sometimes it would be me taking a 20-minute online class. Sometimes it would be me just doing my own thing. I actually very, very seldom do yoga for longer than 30 minutes because it turns out I get really impatient and bored, totally willing for that to change in the future. Super aware that that could change. But right now, that's just where I'm at when I don't pressure myself to do an exercise for at least an hour, which is my history of you work out for an hour. That's just how long exercises are. Anything shorter than that isn't enough. And what's the point? That's the world that I lived in. Turns out my body loves movement for 30 minutes. My body really appreciates stretching and movement for five minutes. And I did this two to four times a week and it wildly changed my relationship to yoga and it wildly changed my relationship to my body. And one of the things that I was surprised to learn is all the embarrassing things that happen when you first get into yoga or really any sort of new movement, such as being wildly unflexible, comparatively speaking, or that thing that happens when you're in a position and you're holding it and you, you're like muscles shake and that's really embarrassing because you feel really weak. Something, by the way, that I've created around that is I almost relate to that as like my body is like vibrating to create something new. I almost relate to it as like late tectonics, like things are changing and shifting to create something even better. It's not embarrassing. It's like this incredible, exciting eruption for what I'm building next. Steal that if you will, that's really, really helped me. But the the lack of flexibility, the the shaking, the all the stuff that if I were sitting in a class and I would be embarrassed about, that stuff actually hung out for a long time. Still till this day, still till this day, I shake in certain positions. Still till this day, I feel like, damn, I'm actually pretty surprised I'm not more flexible at this point. Because again, we're talking comparatively speaking. When it comes to exercise in your body, who gives a fuck what the instructor says? Who gives a fuck what your neighbor says? Who gives a fuck what your friend says you should be doing? Your body. Your body knows. Your body is always going to know. So it's so important to be able to focus on that. It's not about yeah, I want to do this movement or I want to do yoga until I feel comfortable and confident and I'm not shaking anymore. Or I'm not like falling out of positions or, or nothing, nothing bad or embarrassing is happening. It's about looking at those things and it's like, okay, that's actually super common and normal for a body to do those things. So how can I change my relationship with that versus writing off movement as a whole simply because I feel uncomfortable doing it? And when I say uncomfortable, I'm talking about the specific discomfort of, of trying something new, not trying something wrong or something that you shouldn't be doing. Something that I noticed when I really started integrating yoga into my life is a building of grace, which was so interesting. And one of the ways that this has shown up, this is actually the, the thing that I do that helps me realize that like, I am building so much more balance and grace by this act is when I'm walking my dog, my dog likes to obviously check out both sides of the sidewalk. She never crosses in front of me. She's always crossing behind me. It's a respect thing. I'm the dom, okay? So I'm always having to like switch hands behind me. Sometimes you just do the good old-fashioned twirl around. Usually, historically, when I'm would do this. I would spin around and it would be embarrassing because I would like fall out of it or I'd like trip over myself or whatever. And then I'd get frustrated at my dog when really I'm just frustrated by my body or frustrated that I feel embarrassed for a dumb reason or whatever. Notice now when I do the dog leash twirl, it's it's effortless. It's I feel so centered. I feel so stable. I feel so graceful when I do that. And what a weird what a weird manifestation of the way that my my body is growing when it comes to just integrating myself into this new movement. So again, I want to get back to this participant who felt weak and was creating a self-fulfilling prophecy and so many boundaries for herself when it came to actually creating intention around building strength. That was one of the things she's like, oh God, yeah, I've done some yoga classes in the past and it just was, was not my thing. I just, like I said, I just, I'm, I'm not flexible and I couldn't do any of the positions. First of all, any good yoga instructor will be able to meet you where you're at, wherever you're at. That's so important. If any yoga instructor is shaming you or your body or your ability, That person should not be a yoga instructor and you should not attend that class anymore. Any good yoga instructor will be able to meet you where you're at, wherever you are at truly, truly, truly. And it's going to take more than two times to build anything, anything. And truthfully, y'all, yoga doesn't need to be the answer. It's, It's whatever feels good. It's whatever feels nurturing. It's whatever feels exciting. It's whatever feels fulfilling for you and your body stretching for me feels good my body loves it so guess what i'm called to do it all the time because it's something that my body likes and i literally get to experience pleasure when i do it i've also built a relationship with challenging my body that that's actually a really enjoyable experience too it's not like oh this exercise sucks That means that it's working. No, if an exercise sucks, if it's genuinely so uncomfortable, like painful, I'm never doing it again. But if I get to challenge my body and challenge my muscles in new ways, that's an exhilarating feeling that I've truly fallen in love with. So this participant was able to exercise her body in totally, completely new ways. It's also worth mentioning that she believed her legs to be gross, that was the word that she used when it came to acknowledging her legs. She's like, my, my, my legs are just gross and nobody wants to see my legs and I don't even wanna see my legs and they're, they're weak and they're embarrassing. That is the world that she lived in. That's the body that she lived in. When she was able to express different movement and she was practicing with a bunch of different things, um, she was able to see her legs and see her body in an entirely new light. By the end of the course, she started relating to her legs as strong. That was, that was the big word for her. She used to relate to them as gross because she thought that they were big and she's been trained to believe that that's not desirable. But when she actually lived in a world where she wanted to challenge her body because she wanted to build strength, she wanted to build flexibility, she was able to see her body in an entirely new light. And it was so exciting to watch her transition her brain from viewing her legs as gross to viewing them as strong. And she also mentioned they were um, like soft and cuddly or something like that. She's like, I, I truly am grateful for the fat on my legs. Like squeezing fat is like therapeutic, it's, it's soft. It's a, it's a fun thing to get your hands on. So I have strength and softness in my legs. Holy cow, that's special. What a beautiful, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful transition. Another thing, this kind of relates to my first example, but this is something that we see so much. Uh, Humans living in a world that they couldn't possibly wear X. They couldn't possibly wear the thing. And again, this comes from societal training 100%. The first example that comes to my mind is like a crop top. Or the second example, actually, that comes to my mind is uh, horizontal stripes, right? I don't know about you guys. I was trained to never, it's like a fashion no-no to wear horizontal stripes because it makes you look wider. And let's be real, that's that's where the explanation stopped. It was like, yeah, it just makes you look bigger. And instantly in my brain, because of the training that I've gained from the society around me that's obsessed with thinness, I it was like, wider, bigger, definitely stay away from that. Definitely never wearing that. Definitely would never want to appear bigger or wider. Gross, right? And even crop tops. We're trained to believe that crop tops are for absolute flat tummies. They're dedicated to younger people. Um, Anyone with any fat on their stomach shouldn't be able or allowed or it's not desirable to wear crop tops. So guess what? When you live in a world where you're not allowed to wear certain things, you make that true for you. And if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I said the last thing that I want to do, the last thing that sounds fun for me in my life is wearing a crop top, that's fine. It's simply the example that I'm pulling out of a hat. Think of other examples in your life of things that you look at other people wear, or maybe you see in the catalog, or maybe it's it's stuffed in the back of your closet, that based on insecurity alone, or even like audacity, like I I would never have the audacity (laughs) to wear that. Think about that. And I really want you to examine your train of thought when it comes to that. What is the reason why you're not wearing or you feel like you're not allowed to wear those things? Examine that thought. Usually it's like I've been explaining in these examples, something that somebody has trained you over time, be it your parents or your older sibling or your friend or your friend's mom or TV commercials, whatever. And really, truly asking yourself, is that true though? Is that actually true? Because here's something that we're seeing and thank goodness we are living at this time in history because body acceptance and seeing your body through a positive light has never been more talked about. And, uh, more praised in our entire history, right? It's a very exciting time to be alive, to be a woman and to be in a woman's body for many reasons. When we see someone, I think of this example of, it was actually a yoga instructor who was a fat woman. She was a a proud fat woman and she is leading this yoga class. She was so good and talented at yoga. And again, so good at being able to meet people where they're at. She had so many different like alterations for for people to do just truly a world-class yoga instructor um she wears crop tops all the time and it's so interesting to listen to the dialogue about her one of the things is like oh my god she's so brave like someone like her wearing a crop top that's so brave we have got to stop telling women that they're brave for wearing a shirt um, it's it's truly I see where that comes from, right? Like again, we've been trained in the society that crop tops are for skinny young people. And here we have a fat woman in her 30s wearing a crop top, and that's considered brave. I see where it came from, but it actually plays into that context that it is dangerous to dress a certain way, or that you couldn't possibly dress a certain way. And other people comment too, or' are like, God, that, that confidence. Like, I just love that she has the confidence to wear that. That is something that you could build for yourself if you wanted to. If you wanted to. Here's another perspective that I think is really worth mentioning. And it is that. Um, I did an experiment where I was wearing a shorter shirt And um, lower jeans, and when I say lower jeans, I'm just talking, they weren't high-waisted. And I went to walk my dog. Usually, that's not something that I would wear. I'm always covering my stomach. I'm always trying to make my stomach look as flat as possible. Um, Even if I, like historically, if I were to even touch my stomach or if somebody else were to touch my my, my stomach, that would be extremely uncomfortable for me. I had so much shame around my stomach. And specifically, that lower part. Um, I have a pooch. I still have a pooch. I probably will forever have a pooch. That is a patch of fat that actually protects my reproductive organs. So thanks, body. That's adorable. Thanks for looking out. But I was trained that that's undesirable and uh, shouldn't be shown off. Should certainly be hidden. We're constantly trained to to dress as flattering as we possibly can. And let's be real: when we say flattering, we mean to dress as thin, to to make ourselves look as thin as possible, right? And I noticed I, on this walk, was wildly uncomfortable. The clothing that I was wearing wasn't uncomfortable. It was, the the fabric was fine. It, It didn't feel bad on my skin. But the relationship that my brain has built around my stomach, that's what created the discomfort. And I hear so many people thinking about taking this program or that have taken this program or just truly conversations that I've had where people are like, Yeah, you know, I I love the whole body positivity thing, but I, I just don't feel comfortable in my body. Like when I when I do certain things, I just don't feel comfortable. And truly, if we are talking on a physical level, I hear you. And again, there are so many different alterations and things that we can do to make things more comfortable for ourselves. But more often than not, what we discover is that the discomfort that you are creating comes from your brain. That discomfort comes from beliefs that you have been trained to believe a strong anti-fat bias and absolutely praising being thin. And if you're not thin, you don't deserve to be seen. Your body doesn't deserve to be seen. That is where so much of that discomfort comes from. So when it comes to you wearing something, when it comes to you doing something and you notice like, God, I just feel so uncomfortable in my body. I want you to truly assess, is this a physical discomfort? Is my body physically uncomfortable? Or is it my brain that's creating the discomfort? and when we have that conversation i'm not even saying like oh it's your brain get over it there's so much conversation to have about that there's so much healing to be done and there are so many outlets to have that conversation of course body i love you being one of them but it's a viable conversation to have because so many people are and truly no shade no shame around any of this but people go under the knife people people get procedures done that they can never undo because of temporary brain discomfort versus actually feeling physically uncomfortable. It's something that they can't undo that sometimes they look back and they're like, damn, I I just really wish that I had this conversation with myself first before I went and did this permanent thing and changed my body forever. So that, are you creating a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life? This shows up in so many other examples. I'm going to try to give just just a couple more Um, One of them being, no one would want to date uh, a fat woman. No one would want to date a woman of my size, people who are thicker, whatever your word to describe your body is, people who are curvier, people who are plus size, whatever. Nobody wants to date them. So guess who's not putting themselves out there in dating situations to actually assess that? And there's also another part of this conversation. In the dating pool, when when we're talking about dating. The other humans who you are considering dating also live in this society, this fat phobic society, the society that phrases thinness. OK, so first of all, that and it is likely it is not rare for people to have judgments when it comes to your body. We've seen it. We've had so many people in body. I love you. Start dating Um, in the course, just to really have a community and just really start experimenting. And if somebody has a a bad or an unfortunate experience, we're really able to be that community and to be there for that person. And trust me, we have gotten participants who have been treated unfairly because of the way that they look. Because again, the people in this pool are raised in the same culture that we are. All, All of the judgment and the shame that we have in our brains they have it too. And that's not to say that that is a hundred percent of people. The fact of the matter is, is that if you're willing to see it through this lens, all bodies are beautiful in some way, shape, or form. All bodies are miraculous in so many ways because of all the things that your body does for you. There's also a lot of people out there who are attracted to specific things, Um, There are so many people out there who aren't attracted to the, what we're trained to believe beauty is thin, young, white, whatever. It's just a matter of putting yourself out there to find them. That's again, another barrier. You you go out in the dating pool and you have one or two bad experiences and you make that representative of the entire planet. And it's just not fair because it's just not true. How many people on the planet have you met that you're like, yeah, you're not someone who I would really want to spend a lot of my time with. They're everywhere. People who we get along with our soulmates, be it romantic or friendship level or whatever. We don't just give that up to anyone. We give that up to special people who nurture us and, and feed our souls and make us feel sourced and happy and fulfilled. Sometimes it takes some time to find those people. So is it true that nobody is going to want to date you if you are fat or if you are curvy, plus size, whatever your word is? No, that's not true. Is it true that because of the anti-fat bias society that we live in that there are going to be people who don't have the emotional capacity to like actually get to know you as a human being because of their own judgment and shame? Yeah, that's true too. And I'm so sorry about that, by the way. What an unfortunate shitty thing that we've just all been trained into this narrative that uh we should just want to be thin at all costs and if we're not then that means something negative about us. What a What a shitty reality to to live in. So again, I want to ask you, are you creating self-fulfilling prophecies in your life? I want you to really examine beliefs that you have about your body. And dare I say, a vast majority of those beliefs just straight up are not true. And that might be confronting for you to hear because, again, your, your brain has probably gathered tons of evidence to prove that to be true. But again, the exciting part about that mentality is the flip side of it is also true. If you train your body into believing another belief, actively practicing it every single day, your body will slowly but surely gather evidence to prove that to be true as well. That's an exciting thing. I'm getting into second thought territory. And if you're not familiar with second thoughts, we've done another episode on a second thought exercise, which is actually an exercise that we teach in our body Libby course. It's one of our like core competencies. Um, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. It, it's literally about learning how to retrain your brain into believing thoughts that actually support you rather than these just really shameful thoughts that we use to punish ourselves into believing that we're not worthwhile. Ask yourself, am I creating a self-fulfilling prophecy? Again, think about all the thoughts and the judgments that you have about your body. And I want you to ask yourself, is this true? I want you to ask yourself, who taught me this? Where did I learn this? Who does this thought benefit? Because that's another thing. More often than not, our insecure thoughts and our shameful judgments about ourselves benefits the people who are selling us products that promise us uh, a different reality that promise to absolutely fix and cure all of our insecurities. It's diet culture. It's the beauty industry. It's uh, like Leah Horton says, when she hops on, she says it's all the time. And it's so true. Follow the money. People are rich as fuck off of your insecurities and these things are never designed to last, right? They're, they're designed to give you a temporary high until then you discover the next thing that promises to fix all your problems. And then you're just shoveling more money into that, okay? Follow the money. Who benefits from this? Because the answer isn't you, is it? And for those people who think that beating themselves with self-shame, uh, they think that that's motivation. It is not. You have been trained to believe that you are struggling in your body because of your lack of willpower or your lack of self-control or whatever that is. And that is such a restrictive, diminishing, painful reality to live in. Shame is never the answer. I'll say that as many times as you need me to. Shame is never the answer. Shame is never going to be the thing that's going to get you to where you want to be. Certainly not in a positive light. People create achievements with shame all the time. But what they realize when they get there is that they are living in a place where they're making decisions based on shame and they will only continue to do so versus making decisions based on appreciation, making decisions based on gratitude or love or like true, actual, genuine support, or curiosity, or community, or connection, or whatever that is, that is available to you as well. So again, this conversation is not about blaming or shaming you of like, oh, you're insecure, that's your own damn fault. It's not. We have been trained to believe a very specific story of what we should want for ourselves in terms of how we look and how we feel in our bodies. And we've been trained that specific story because that narrative keeps us small and makes other people very, very rich. So the conversation here really is, what do I believe? Is that true? And what reality would I rather live in? What what belief would I rather have instead? Again, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to our second thought exercise. Also, if there's any questions about this, any examples that I use that you have more questions about, or maybe um, if you have something that you're like, is this a self-fulfilling prophecy, please comment below or even send us a DM if you feel called to. And we are more than happy to support you through that. We'd love to get some dialogue going. So if anybody has anything to share, we would love to hear your perspective. I also have some exciting news coming up for those of you who are even just a little bit into the moon. If you are somebody who just is uh, in awe of, of the moon and the full moon and the impact that the moon has on the earth and us, this is for you. And truly, honestly, you guys, even if you're not that person, this is for you as well. We are doing a full moon ritual Um, So the next full moon in April is called the pink moon. And this moon is dedicated in so many ways to love and specifically self-love. What does it look like to actually practice self-love with yourself? So many people use the full moon, um, whether it's they, they fully believe in the moon's powers and they're harnessing all of that energy in order to enhance their ability to do so. Or if this is just an excuse for you to take inventory of your brain and That is fine as well. But what we're going to be doing is focusing on what it looks like to actually purge or release things that are no longer serving us and create positive intentions for what we want to create next. So the next full moon, the pink moon, is the evening of April 6th. And that week, from Monday through Thursday, uh, we are going to be having each one of our body I love you coaches is going to be going live to talk about a theme when it comes to either releasing something that no longer serves you or creating positive intentions for what you want to create next. Because I'm sure you hear that all the time. of like, yeah, releasing what no longer serves me, manifesting what's next. But so often people don't even know where to look. People don't even know where to start. And we are here to support you with that. So you can hop on live with us at noon, Monday through Thursday, that first week of April. And we're more than happy to walk you through that stuff. And if you can't join us live, you can always watch the replay. And then we're going to be closing out the week on that Thursday, April 6th with a pink moon ritual, where we're going to really bring all this stuff to life. We're going to be talking about what you're releasing, what you're creating next, as well as some other really just connecting goodies uh of just a community of women who get to hang out and just who 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 wants what's good for us who 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 wants to create something better in our lives if you are even just a little bit interested in that we have an event in our Facebook group comment below if you haven't already been invited this event is free totally and completely free but you do need to be registered in order to participate, because that is how we we give you all the dates. That's how we give you all the information for not only the lives, but also the virtual Zoom pink moon ritual on April 6th. So again, if you are interested and you haven't already been invited, please comment below. And I also want to announce that we have body I love you dates for our next rounds up. Um, We have On April 19th, we are launching a new Body I Love You group. That is a Wednesday, and that group is going to be at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we also have a group launching May 2nd. That's going to be a Tuesday group, and that group is at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time again. If you would like to get on our wait list, um, please, please, absolutely. We would love to have you comment below, and we can send you that information. And we are just so excited to continue to support you all through this this year. Something so beautiful about the spring season, um, one of the things that I was comparing the pink moon ritual to is like, this is like spring cleaning for your brain. Throw out what's no longer bringing you joy and what can you actually bring in that does bring you joy. Spring cleaning for your brain. It's such a beautiful time to shed skin that no longer serves you and create something different. We're so excited to serve you. All right, you guys. I hope that this content was beneficial for you all. Again, comment below um, if there's anything around this topic that we can support you with, and we are happy to do so. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you.